Welcome to the Phase World Podcast. Engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Phase World Podcast. I am your host, Fei Wu. This is part two of my conversation with the lovely Lee Skunas. I highly encourage you to listen to part one as well, where we discuss practical philosophy, love and relationships, and what it's like to be a full-time yoga teacher and much, much more. In this episode, Lee talks about his fascinating yoga workshops at one of my favorite yoga studios, Coolidge Corner Yoga in Brookline, Massachusetts. Focusing on the topic, chakra, which represents energy and spiritual power in the human body. Furthermore, we discuss if openness and curiosities are something people are born with and things that are chosen for them. Lee shares his stories of revealing his sexuality to his sister and parents, a sweet story that involves a post-it note. Without further ado, I hope to indulge you, my listeners, today with a brief recording of Lee's singing. You can find all three full recordings at the end of this podcast. Lee is a fearless artist who didn't reject the idea of having me do this in an empty room, nothing representative of a professional recording studio. I love being his audience. If you enjoy this podcast, Please help me write a review on iTunes and hope you check out the other episodes as well where I interview unsung heroes from all walks of life. All the tools and resources will be available on the website as well, phaseworld.com. Thank you so much for stopping by and being part of this incredible journey. It's not the pale moon that excites me, that thrills and delights me, oh no, it's just the nearness of you, it isn't your sweet conversation that brings this sensation oh no it's just the nearness of you in addition to my monthly membership i signed up for your chakra workshop mm. about a month ago sorry i'm getting old no, maybe it could that's be okay. four months ago it's a couple of months ago oh, okay great <laughs> for the first time i got it right um and it was really amazing i wonder you know, as a student of yours, of yoga, that was something that I was interested in, even though I didn't even share it with you. And the class was pretty, the workshop was really packed and we all enjoyed it. So I'd love to welcome you to do it again, maybe, but maybe you can give my audience an idea of what you did. Yeah, so um, I'm actually doing one in January. I'm doing the third chakra. I just did one on the fifth chakra, which for those of you who don't know the chakras, it's a uh, it's a system of the body that um, for most is seen as there are seven different centers of your body. Um, and in that, there um, each chakra tends to have things that are related to each of the chakras. Um, and so the fifth chakra has to do with communication. 
and how you give and how you receive it. And it's usually, it's this, it's the shocker between your heart and your mind. So it's the, it's the bridge between the two. How do you speak your mind and how do you speak your heart? And how do you find the dance between the, the two and how, how to communicate that? Um, and the jaw has residual effects of what gets lodged in there. Um, whether that be energetically or in the muscles, they all intertwine. It's not like you can pull one apart um, or where that starts to send things in other parts of your body. Um, and a great way to think about it too is that um, one starts at the bottom and seven is at the top. If one is lodged, like the base one is lodged, if first is lodged, then you're guaranteed to have the rest of them locked up. And if the second one's out, it's guaranteed. So it's like an up. Um, from a bottom-up perspective. Um, and so we run that workshop, we looked at the fifth chakra, which is communication, and then yoga poses that can help to unlock it, and a couple of writing and from like self-development experience exercises that can let you get the, the stuff that you're unwilling to communicate outside of you um, in ways where you don't have to verbally use it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes talking only gets you so far. Mm-hmm. Talking is great. I'm not saying don't talk, but talking can talking is a big, great way to deal with things. And sometimes we gotta sneak at it different ways, whether that's body work or painting and drawing, or as you know, as an artist, like finding other avenues beyond verbal to express mm-hmm. um, what's like stuck or what's what's kind of causing that. Mm-hmm. And some of the questions you asked us, it was an exercise we did before the workshop started. And I thought it was really powerful. And, you know, I am not stealing your workshop material. Um, But some of the questions I remembered is like, what are some of the words that you always associate yourself with? That Mm -hmm. could be very unfair. And do you still remember? I know this. Yeah, it's like the question I asked was like, what are the things that. Um, that you say to yourself that you would never speak out loud mm-hmm. like the mm. five worst things that you say about yourself that you would never ever say about somebody else um, and then what are the five five or ten I think what are the five things that you have thought about saying to other people and have never said mm-hmm. um, and this is it's uh, this question came from one of the courses that I was in um, or still in actually and uh, and it's uh fascinating what happens when people start to um, when people start to confront it mm. people actually start to take like an honest look and there are many times where I absolutely don't want to mm. or I pretend like things are fine and then I actually like deal with what's actually underneath it mm. and sometimes it's not pretty mm. it, and it's, it's not comfortable and it's not normal or safe um but it's the conversations that get to arise out of that mm-hmm. are some of the, the richest conversations you can have. Mm-hmm. Like one of the one of the ones that um, I called my mom like three weeks ago, and she um, was seeing somebody before who, you know, had some alcohol issues, and um, something I never would have said to my mom before. I was like, "Mom, it seems like you find people to fix." And you take care of them and you nurture them. And I'm wondering where that comes from and why do I see that like with the rest of us in the family? Mm. Um, and, and I just like thought out, I think that you're, you're better than that. 
and I never would have said that to you before, but I love you enough to say that to you. And I just spurred this whole hour conversation about the things that we don't say to each other that I made up at age seven that I can't make my mom upset. You can't make her cry. You don't want to do anything to upset your mom because she's just going to cry. And then be like, no, she's an adult. She's 57 years old. She can handle what you have to say. Mm. Um, Interesting. So it turns out she was okay. She was great (laughs) about it. But it's it's like you we hold people like they're babies. Like they can't handle what we're about to say. Like that we need to protect them from something. And in doing so, you actually hurt them. Yeah, this is really interesting because I, why am I doing everything five years after you did? <laughs> you're doing it when you do it. You know? Exactly. Go at your own pace. And I had the exact same feelings uh, for my mom as well because we're very close. We, we were so close, it's that perfect circle, that perfect relationship, you can't possibly damage it, ruin it. And I waited 29, 30 years until I opened up to my mom about the fact that she sent me away to focus on her career, sent me away for about four years between the ages of six to 10. That really hurt me. And um, I started to realize that um, that experience shaped me into who I am today and still influenced me in terms of the decisions I make or how I make them. Right. And she was very shocked. I don't think she uh, she was able to talk to me for a couple of days. And then she started, unlike your mom, she couldn't really handle that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she couldn't talk to me for quite some time. She finally opened up, let's just say it, it took some time and she apologized to me for the first time in my life um, and she kept apologizing my mom it's actually okay now so um, it, it's interesting I, I, I think what I it reminds me of one thing I find it very intriguing about you is you are not just a unicorn who's making everybody so happy everything is like gonna be great you actually evoke reactions mm-hmm. and some reactions are happiness mm-hmm. calmness some of them are tough, like mm-hmm. make you think about your question some of the things you, but then the outcome is you're very glad mm-hmm. that you did that. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, like being the teacher, you're responsible for not only creating the environment, but also foster very healthy conversations, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes an internal dialogue mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's so fascinating. Um, so is it the case that your parents always supported you to be a dancer, to be a singer? No. Um, mom more than dad. I think dad would still love me to be a doctor. Um, <laughs> but he appreciates what I do. It's not that he doesn't appreciate everything mm-hmm. that I do at all. Um, I came up to my mom when I was 14. came up to my sister when I was 10. And I came up to my dad when I was 18. And the, the journey of my dad and I getting closer is still happening. Um, but in the beginning, it was not pretty, not at all. Like my dad and I didn't talk for a while, and um, very hit or miss, not being on the same page. Um, uh, my mom was always, my mom was a singer as well, so she's played she played I think two or three instruments growing up. She ended up going to college with the head of the voice department at the Boston Conservatory. So when I got my acceptance letter, she knew who she was. <laughs> so like. She, my mom has always been an artist and my dad's an artist too just in a different way mm-hmm. like he didn't he'll tell you himself he didn't really do the best in college it's not how his brain works he's an artist of being with people like he's a master at like relating to people and being with people he works with custodians for a living like so he treats them like kings 
So he knows how to be with people from all, whether you're the CEO of a company or whether you're the one who are, is mopping up the floors and everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my dad is is supportive of who I am and loves me unconditionally. Um, wasn't the case always, um, but he knows how happy it makes me. And I think just having his son be happy is what he's most concerned about, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. There's a point where I almost left the conservatory. I was like, you know, dad, I'm, I'm done with theater. This isn't for me. It's funny because I was like, I want to go into personal training and exercise science. I'm really fascinated by that. And he got on the phone and he said, look, you finish your degree. You do what you got to do to finish it. And if you need to do something after, then you do it. Mm-hmm. But finish your degree. Um, and I never asked him why that, that came about. He's still alive. I just, I just never asked him, like, mm-hmm. I haven't asked him why, why that? Like, why were you so committed to me finishing my degree? Mm-hmm. Um, my sister has always been, not always, she's been... <laughs> She and I butted heads for about two and a half years, solid. Um, lo and behold, we're on the same page. It just had different ways of expressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't hear it, what she was saying, and then it was just brother and sister. It's just part of the sibling growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but she and I become really close and then supportive of her, and really she's supportive of me, and they're actually both going to come out for the musical. But yeah, it's they're there. They are now. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. How long? You might not even remember this because sometimes I have trouble recalling the duration of something at this point. And sometimes I feel like people that are, if I, you know, we're from the same generation, right. uh, even though, you know, six years for our age is still a pretty big gap. But I want people to know, I want people to openly talk about this that sometimes uh, friction between people, especially the people that you love and care about the most, uh, with the knots that you create, that takes time to resolve. It takes time, and mm-hmm. having knots isn't a bad thing. True. Yeah? I think we get so quick to like, oh, you have a different opinion than I do. Like, I have <laughs> to do whatever I can to be on the same page and agree or see your point of view. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you ain't just gonna, you ain't gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, different people, we're you're different. different and, and you're gonna work different ways, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like, the world is not going to crumble if you don't get along with somebody. Mm-hmm. Or a family member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, life will still move on, and you'll still be able to do what you love to do, even if a family member or a friend doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends, like, we've had disagreements about relationships and sexuality, and is mono- like what is monogamy, like, what defines monogamy, like, all these different avenues, and we've had different points of view, and just being okay with it, it's a healthy discourse, it's a healthy thing to have, to, to have people in your life for a little bit of devil's advocate, or, mm-hmm. I just had this experience a couple hours ago, like, just having somebody press up against what's actually coming out of your mouth, mm-hmm. um, that's good, that's actually a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the world wouldn't work the way it worked if we didn't have people who didn't have the same points of view as us. Mm, interesting. Life but, uh, would be pretty boring now I think be, about it. Life would be pretty boring. and, and I agree. That sounds great. It's, it's <laughs> what I was thinking already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's, it's sucky, part of my friends, it's shitty, that, you know, it leads to certain outcomes like war and, and you know, protests and and circumstances that we're currently in right now too with Ferguson and the Eric Gardner case and um, all of that, like these 
unhealthy outcomes of discourses of different points of view. Um, that in those circumstances, if we could be all on the same page about it, it would make a world of a difference. But in, in other avenues of life, it's nice to have that healthy... It's not even like either or. It's like a one house has many rooms in this house and you can all fit in this house. It's not like you're outside of what's happening in the world. It's not like you and then there's the world. Like, you're in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and to have all those different flavors of how to look at the world is, is great. There are many parts of the world I have no clue about. Mm. Like, I, I, I went to high school and didn't even take chemistry. Like I took two years of human biology and that was my chemistry experience. So like some things I, I have no idea how like chemicals bond together and all of that stuff. Like that is like not in my league and yet I have friends who are scientists and that's what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. um, or like the world of business. Like I, I know some business, but like some people are masters at the world of business and their brain just works that way. They've trained it to work that way. Or, mm. or some would say that they're hardwired. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that, but it's like some people are really that's what that's how they work and so it's like wow i would never think of looking at that situation that way if it were just me and we all agreed that way do you think that some people are just born op open-minded and welcoming or do you think it's so much of it has to do with our upbringing <sighs> i don't have like a solid answer on that mm -hmm. um how I've seen it in different ways and read about it in different ways um, is like nature made the gun and then nurture pulled the trigger. Mm. So like there's a whole world of like, I think it's called epigenetics, which is like your family's history is in your genes, right? Mm. And then there's this whole world of like gray matter um, and like that who you are is very malleable and shiftable. So, I can't say which way it is for me, but like, I know for sure I didn't choose to be gay. Like, I didn't just like choose one day to be gay. Like, that's just mm -hmm. how I am, mm -hmm. right? But there, there are certain things that one could say are malleable, mm -hmm. like character mm -hmm. and trust and compassion and forgiveness, mm -hmm. um, that they have chemical, I think some of them do have chemical like responses that happen when you have those experiences, but there's so much about that that's still malleable that I can't just be like, this is the one way. Yeah. You know, all I know is I'm really thankful that there are people who are up to, to look for that mm -hmm. so that people can have some exposure mm -hmm. to, um, to different ways of looking at it. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. it's both. And when you think about especially nature versus nurture. There's so many elements. Uh, a brain sounds like this one thing, but mm -hmm. it's really various experiences and pieces. Yeah. The twists and turns that, you know, that kind of shape us into who we are today. And, you know, you, you brought up um, sexuality and I'm really interested in, you know, the sounds, um, it sounds funny, but I feel like so many people need to be educated on mm. this subject. Mm. And I think you need to be open-minded to listen to um, someone to tell you their true stories. Mm. And I think a lot of people, either people who respect 
or object, especially people who object, is um, a lot of that has to do with insecurity. And I think that really comes across in life more than just um, you're gay, I'm not, or I think people don't understand so many things in life and all they want to do is they want to just close the door, they want to shut it down mm. so they never find out why. But I'm always, I'm interested uh, in, in sort of learning more about that and um, you know, I today on my way to work and I was thinking like, oh man, when I start covering this topic, I might get a little emotional, uh, is I thought about, you know, nobody in my opinion, uh, I'm not a doctor, but um, nobody chooses to be gay or, or not. <laughs> and I thought about my own personal struggle in 31 years um, in relationships and all that. The worst I've ever had was someone, my family or my friends, didn't necessarily approve. You know, that was a big struggle. Um, but, you know, what was it like growing up for you? Um, uh I didn't really have it hard. Like, oh, good, good. Like, I didn't really like. I came up to my mom when I was fourteen on an orange post-it note. Um, said I was gay. She asked if I liked this girl named Brittany Kravenhoff. I said nope, and then I just I ended up continuing being gay. Um, my my dad had more of a struggle with it. Um, he's had some experiences that have shaped how he views what it means to be gay and what kind of implications that could have mm -hmm. um i didn't really have i went to the conservatory too where like i would say 75 to 80 percent of my class in musical theater was gay mm -hmm. so it's like you're gay so what like what else about you that shaped mm -hmm. like how i view people um and yeah and so like I, it's, it's a great like there's a culture to being gay that just goes with being gay and there's a culture to being straight that goes with being straight right and mm -hmm. and not saying one's better or worse or that you're not going to hear other mm -hmm. sides of it but for me it wasn't a big um it wasn't a big like issue mm -hmm. in high school or college mm -hmm. um i got beat up once in junior high and that was it mm -hmm. so um it definitely has an impact on how they view the world, but it doesn't necessarily like, be the defining thing of me. Mm. Did you grow up in Massachusetts? Or? Mm -hmm. I grew up in Minnesota, right outside of Fargo, North Dakota. Oh. So I grew up like in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, but my friends didn't care either. I think mm. that wasn't like really the big topic of conversation. I really didn't date in high school. Mm -hmm. um, just focused on my, like, my studies and my friends. Um, I just enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I really hope every story, I, I wish every story was like this. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And, and uh, I've always felt comfortable around not just sexuality, I've always felt comfortable with people of different sexualities, uh, different per, you know, personality. Well, it's tough too, but ethnicities right. and I choose to be surrounded uh, by people who come from such different backgrounds. I just find life to be so much richer and interesting as a result of that. It is. It's There's a good quote, I'm totally going to butcher it right now, but it's like, <laughs> go talk to somebody who is um, blue collar or white collar. Go talk to somebody who lives in a totally different social class. Go talk to somebody who lives in a completely different country. Mm -hmm. Go talk to somebody who is 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Go talk to somebody who's 80. Yeah. Um, 
just talk to strangers. Yeah. It's where you learn a lot about you and how you not only like to manage conversations, like mm-hmm. to try to control them and see where they go, mm-hmm. but also uh, a great way to just look at the world through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many hidden gems that are so fascinating and you I think so so many of us make assumptions about people scenarios and for instance this sounds really funny is like uh, um, when I was in San Diego traveling there for work and I happened I was with my mom we went to this art show and a couple of guys actually the son a son and a father and we started talking and I start bragging about me being a skateboarder between the age of nine and 13, and I just kept going on and describing the tricks, and then I found that the guy was actually pro skater. Uh. <laughs> I felt really embarrassed, and I was just me being 22, 23 at the time. And, and more recently, I uh, came across this gentleman at work, and this guy was not particularly like super build, muscular, and he had a mohawk on. He's very friendly, he carried like a little Hello Kitty lunchbox his daughter made for him. And I was joking. I thought he's like, oh, he's probably a pushover. He's a nice guy. And I found out that he was, uh, he I think he was a Navy SEAL. He was a trained military. He was actually a sniper. <laughs> and you just don't know. So people stop making assumptions about what you think you know. Like be open-minded and be fascinated by what the world has to offer to you. You have no clue. Yeah. We think we even know ourselves. Like we have, we think we know. Period. Like you have no, you have no idea what the other person's been through, and you, you have no idea who you are or could become. Like mm-hmm. we walk around like know it all, thinking we know everything about ourselves and other people, um, myself included. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not outside of that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the privilege is not knowing. Mm-hmm. Like. Life is a lot more fun when you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much more to dive into. Like the, the course that I'm taking right now is all about being in the unknown and being okay with the unknown and exploring the unknown. Not to get somewhere, but for the sake of exploring, mm-hmm. for the sake of just being in the unknown. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's uh, one of the things I love the all the instructors I, I just love this studio it's a great and, studio yeah you know all you guys are friends and there's like you trust each other you're like brothers and sisters i remember one of the things that rachel said during the class was um if you feel unbalanced today if you can't live yourself up today what if you're okay with that what if this is all the strength you have today yep. can you be okay with that yep and I thought it was really powerful because that day in particular, I was probably losing my balance and I had a long day. I did not have the flexibility, but I made an effort to be here and to connect with myself versus staying late at work and, and making that decision mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, so, you know, basically the opposite energy of what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is we always have to be better each day, each minute of every day. Um, but instead to say, what if I'm okay? What if I can be respectful of myself? Is that okay? Yeah. Maybe I can be a better person as a result. Acceptance and forgiveness are two superpowers. Mm. They're, su- they're just superpowers. Like acceptance of not seeing you agree with it or even like it. But just like 
acceptance, like accepting something exactly as it is in this moment. And then forgiveness, not only for others, but for self, like forgiving yourself for whether you, the, the actions that you took or the thoughts that you had or what you said to somebody might not have come across exactly how you wanted it to. Um, but those two worlds of like acceptance and forgiveness, like are radical. Mm -hmm. They're pretty amazing places to, um, to live in. And I think the theme of who you are, as you were describing, was appreciation. Mm -hmm. I think those two superpowers, I think, really fosters uh, or conditions appreciation as it a does. result. It does. Yeah, I think the, the acceptance really, it allows you to come from um, a baseline mm -hmm. of, of where you're at. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing missing and there's something that needs to be added. So that level of appreciation. I think forgiveness is, is a... Forgiveness is a little bit more about, I don't, I don't know if appreciation comes from forgiveness, but I would say that something that arises out of forgiveness is, um, is, uh, connection. Mm -hmm. Like forgiving yourself and others for what has done or hasn't been done or what you said or what they said allows for something else to show up, like something else to be created, a mm -hmm. connection or a partnership of some sort to come out of that. Mm -hmm. Not create space yeah. um, around yourself too I think um, in this day and age we are so conditioned to be so tightly you know bounded and yeah. and you can't react when that's the case you know I um, I've wanted to I think this room is perfect I would love to get some of your singing, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll do that. Juicy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of what you do at the end of the class. And um, the only other time I heard that song was when I was, <laughs> believe it or not, when I was going through uh, certification training years ago, like 10 years ago, uh, with a couple of Indian teachers. That was the only time and uh, you brought it back and then we went on youtube and i realized you sing uh, you know professionally at all these and it wasn't even the best recording ever but i could just hear i could as an artist i have appreciation and the sensory to really know what that's what that's like thank you yeah so i'm gonna record you can start and whatever you want and um so i'm just gonna be in your audience and I'll, I'll pick a few i have about five or six that i oh, yes. sing, so can I we should release an album after. <laughs> it's not going that far yet. Um, yeah, I'll pick a few. Um, so this one is Om Namo. Um, and Satnam Karsing is a really good version of it. So I'll, I'll do my best. Um, oh my beloved Oh. 
so simple and pure about it. Um, so I'm going to do that one next. So. Yeah. Just the nearness of you. 
come true. Isn't I totally forgot the words. I need no soft light to enchant me if you only grant me the right to feel you ever so tight and to feel in the night the nearness of you You make me feel like I cannot stop podcasting and capture moments like this. And Don't to, stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so special. And trust me, I indulge myself in my own podcast. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is so cool. Um, you know, sometimes I leave. It's like, I wish I asked that question, but it's not that important. You know, it's about this moment and you're so open this is not a professional recording studio and i think you know singers artists who are very self more self-conscious just because how we or they are conditioned like i can't do this until this is the very best setup everything's perfect i'm feeling the best then i can reveal myself but i just find you know i think you encourage me to kind of find beauty in just a moment uh this moment To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F E I S W O R L D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at Face World. Until next time, thanks for listening.